Um, with that being said, we're going to take a moment, we're going to get into the Word, and today we kick off a brand new message series, and I'm excited about this, I'm excited to share this with you. Um, this is part of a series as I took time on my sabbatical, spent time with the Lord, this is part of what came out of it, this series and the next one that I'm planning for, um, for us. And so, um, to, it's titled Bold, Bold, and there's so much to that that God wants to do in each and every one of us. And, and so if you'll open your heart and mind to the Word of God and what God wants to encourage us with, God wants to challenge us with, this is going to bless and strengthen your life, strengthen your relationship with the Lord as you watch some great things happen within you. And so today we're going to kick off part one. Now, our central passage for our message series can be found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says this, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And this is the Apostle Paul as he's talking about just the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We have a hope that so many have no idea about. We have a hope that transcends everything. And because we have this hope in Christ Jesus, we can be very bold. And we're going to be talking about that over the course of this series. So with that being said, let's take a moment to pray. And we'll jump into part one. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, you are good. You are so good. And we thank you for your word. God, I pray that today you would bring it alive, minister to our hearts. God, you know that you woke us up this morning and brought us here to this very place so that we can tune in to what you have to say to us. Speak to us. Holy Spirit, release your word. Strengthen your church. Encourage us, Father. I pray your blessing. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 To, begin, to get started, let me ask you this question. Have you ever come across somebody, conversed with them, and then afterwards walked away and said, man, that was pretty bold. Like, that was pretty bold of them, or that was pretty bold situation, or I can't believe I just said that was bold. I remember young adult me, and on one particular day I had to get somewhere, and my truck was broken down and nobody else could give me a ride my bike tires were flats and I looked down and my legs were working and I said I'm gonna hit the pavements I don't know if you've been there just hit the pavement I remember I got ready and I started walking and I had to cross some of these major streets and and I had got to the corner of this major street and there was a bus stop and I was at this red light and I was waiting before I can cross this big major street and this guy comes up to me and he says he says uh, he says uh, what do you claim and I said, huh? He, he's like, where are you from? What do you rep? And I was like, what? Like there were so many things that were going on in my mind as I was leading. I was, I was sort of focused. I wasn't kind of getting what he was saying. And then eventually he said, he said, he said well, man, never mind. And he, he walked away from me. And, and, and the light turned green and then I took off and, and then I walked. And a couple of things came to my mind as I walked away. Number one. Oh, that's what he was talking about. And two, man, I, I wish I would have recognized it earlier because I would have told him I was team Jesus. Like, what do you rep? What are you about? Where are you? I rep Jesus, man. I, I, that's, where, that's what I'm about. And I think about it now, though, and I think back about that moment. I think about how bold he was. I think about how confident he was in what he believed in. I think about what he, he was, what he was, what colors he was willing to wear, and what he was willing to say, where he was from, and what he was about. He was confident. He wasn't shy about it. He wasn't undercover about it. 
He was bold and he was brave. He was, he was willing to step out regardless of who was going to think anything about him. He wasn't concerned. Well, I wonder what they're going to think about me. I, I, I wonder what they're going to say about me. No, he was confident. He was confident. And he wanted to express that confidence towards, towards me. Did you know that according to Pew Research, worldwide there are 31.1% Christians? That means one out of every three people just about would claim to profess to be a Christian in the world. Here, within our country, USA, there are 65% of people profess to be Christians. That's nearly two-thirds. I don't know how realistic you feel like that might be, right? Every two out of three people around you are, are professing Christians. Here, within California, 63% of people profess to be Christians and here within the Sacramento region, 31.5% of people profess to be Christians. I thought to myself, what if we were bold about sharing the love of Jesus and the gospel message? I mean, what would that look like in our community, in our city, in our region, in our neighborhoods, in our families, if we were bold about sharing who Jesus is? We weren't shy about it. But we rep Jesus bold every day, not like, oh, I believe in Jesus. I love the Jesus, but I do it real quietly because I don't want nobody. To, I just kind of keep it to myself. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you rep Jesus boldly, if you express your love for God publicly. See, today we're going to dive into a passage of Scripture where we see one of the boldest individuals in Scripture, the Apostle Paul, a guy who took every opportunity to shine bright for Jesus. And at this particular moment, in Scripture, he's currently on trial. He's in front of the judge, the executioner, the jury, the people around him. He's on trial for his faith. You see, he had come into the city as a missionary. He had come into Jerusalem bringing an offering from another church. He was helping the homeless, the people who were struggling with food, and he was telling everybody about Jesus. And the re Jewish religious leaders at the time, they weren't okay with that. You, you, you know why you can help people, but you can't talk to them about Jesus. And because Rome was the superpower at the time, they were overseeing everything that happened. So if you had to go to court or there was the possibility of a, a death sentence, Rome had to oversee that. And so the Jewish religious leaders, they arrested Paul and they brought him in. And now he's standing before the Roman authorities. Now, the Jewish leaders have hired a professional lawyer. His, he was the big dog, and he was coming in to make sure that Paul was found guilty and sentenced to death. So are you ready? You ready? All right. Court is now in session. We're going to jump into Acts chapter 24 and verse 5. First, we're going to look at the argument against Paul. We're going to look at what they're saying against him, what they're accusing him of. This is what it says here in the first few verses. It says, the lawyer is speaking. He's speaking to the judge. It says, we have found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. Examining, by examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The other Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. You can even kind of see kind of the lawyerish thing coming out. Even this is like 2,000 years ago, and they still kind of speak the same way. 
But I want you to pay close attention to what they're accusing him of. I want you to see this. See, they're calling him a troublemaker. They're calling, they're saying, listen, he's a, he's, he's a troublemaker. In fact, he has stirred up riots among the Jews all over the world. All over the known world at that time would have been part of Europe, going into part of Asia, the Middle East, and part of the north, north part of Africa. And he's saying that, listen, he's been a troublemaker. He's, in fact, they call him a ring leader. They're saying these three things, and these specific three things, troublemaker, stirring up riots, and being a ringleader, that would have touched the nerve in the Roman government. You see, because their hope was as they oversaw everything, they conquered everything, they wanted peace. They didn't want any riots. They didn't want any drama. They didn't want any ringleaders doing anything like that. And so the lawyer is very intentional with his words as he accuses Paul. Paul stands there, sits there, he's in chains before the, the, the governor, before the judge, and they want to bring him to death. I want you to see Paul's response. He says this in verse 10. It says, when the governor motioned for Paul to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. He says, listen, I, I understand you've been a judge here for a number of years, therefore I'm going to speak. I could keep quiet, but I'm not going to. He's already bold. He says this in verse 11, you can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city. And they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me. However, verse 14, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. And Paul goes on to continue his defense. But you see, with his life on the line, Paul speaks up. He's bold. He's bold. He's confident. He, he wears the t-shirts, if you will. He says, this is who I am. I will not keep quiet about my love for God. So I was thinking about us. We love the Lord. It's not that we don't. We love the Lord. But sometimes we can be really quiet about it. Sometimes we can keep it so much to ourselves. So how do I step into boldness as a Christ follower? That's what I want to talk to you about today. How, how do I step into boldness as a Christ? I, I'm a Christ, so I love the Lord. I, I do, but how can I step into that? A few points that I want to share with you this morning. The very first one is this. Is number one, I must be clear about my identity. I must be clear about my identity. Who am I? Have you ever sat down, just have a one-on-one -on -one with yourself, take yourself out to Starbucks and sit down and say, who am I? Who are you? Who are you, Jack? Who, who, who are you? How should I be identified? You see, this is a big issue in current culture. You know, there's all these options as he and him and she and her and them and they and so on and boy to girl and girl to boy and gender neutral and, and, and all these type of things, a way to identify yourself. And then another piece of that, of my identity, is, is what I do. See, if, if I work for the state and if I'm asked, then, then who are you? What am I? Well, I'm a, well, maybe I'm a state worker. Or if I'm a stay-at-home parent and I'm asked, and what, what should I say? Who am I? Well, maybe I'm a stay-at-home parent. 
or, 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 or a landscape or a masonry or a trainer or an engineer, a teacher, a student, a nurse, whatever that might be. See, this is what culture wants us to identify ourselves as. But this is not who we are. This is not who we are. And I want you to say it with me this morning. I want you to say, I'm a Christian. Say, say I'm a Christ follower. This is who I am. See, my identity is found in the one who laid the foundations of the earth. My identity is found in the one who spoke life and it came to be. My identity is found in the one who knew me in my mother's womb. My identity is found in the one whose arms are wide open. (laughs) Back to the Apostle Paul. He's in the courtroom. With everything on the line, I want you to see what again what he says in verse 14. He says this, however, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. We're going we're to break this down here a little bit. You see, Paul identifies with his life on the line. He says, I'm a worshiper of God. He says, I'm a follower of the way, which at that time was the description for Christians, right? That word quite hadn't been come out yet. He says, so I'm a follower of the way. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian, he says. He says, I'm also a believer in the scriptures. When it says in accordance with the law and that was written in the prophets, that is the Bible of the time. He says, I'm a believer in the scriptures. I believe in the Bible. I'm a Christian. I worship God. This is his response. You want to know my identity? I'm not confused about who I am. I'm not confused about whose I am. I'm a Christian. I'm a worshiper of God. I believe in the Bible. That's how I want to be known in this world. You know what's amazing? Teaching kids about God. Some of our kids' workers, our kids' team, they, they, they get this experience and then with your own kids, your grandkids. But to teach them about God is really something special. You know, my daughter Arabella and my son Jonah, for the longest time, they've really shared a room together. And just, you know, a, a, a few weeks back, about a month or so back, we, we split them up and we put them in separate rooms. Just felt like it was time. The son needed his own space, our own space. And so, we, so we did that. And for the first couple of weeks, they really struggled with it. They had this separation anxiety, if you will, and, and they just wanted to be with, with each other. And then, but my wife and I, we didn't give in to it. We kind of just let it be, and now they're doing much better. But I remember one night my son came to me and he said, he said, Daddy, I, I don't want to sleep by myself. He said, I, I feel a little scared. And so I asked him, son, you know, why? Why, son? Why do you feel scared? And he said, he said, I don't know. And I said, well, son, listen, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand there's nothing to be worried about. I said, we serve our heavenly father. He protects us. He's with us. And I said, you see your window over there? There's, there's the mighty angel of God right there at that window no evil is allowed to come in here. Son, I've asked the Lord for this, and this is what is happening in our home. I said, son, we serve God, and I need you to rest well because everything is okay. And as I began to teach him about this and teach my daughters the same thing, see, what I came to understand is what I'm teaching them is I'm teaching them identity. I'm teaching them to understand who they are and whose they are. The world will try and identify them, but I want them to know who they are. 
The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13. It says this, For I, the Lord, your God, who is God? Your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, for I am the one who helps you. See, these are God's words to his people. You are a servant of the Most High God. He says, I'm your God. Be confident in that. Who, whose are you? You're mine. I got you. I got you. Your identity should be found in him. The Bible says this in John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but to all who did receive him. You see, if you've made a choice to receive God as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've confessed with your mouth and you've believed in your heart that he is who he says he, uh, he is, then it says this, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, when you receive him, when you believe in his name, you go from creation to child. It's one of the most beautiful things. God, God designed you. God planned you. God set the era and the time that you would exist, that you would come to be on this earth. Would you believe in him? When you say, I want Jesus in my life, forgive me for my mistakes. I, 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 I recognize that you're real. I want to respond to that. You move from creation to child and to a loving father who loves you, who sees you, who knows you, who says, come home, my child. The world wants you to think you fit in over there, but I'll tell you where you fit in. In my arms. And I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. You can be confident that you are his child. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. So this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. He sets it all up just for us. How can I be bold? How can I step into boldness as a Christ follower? i got to be clear about my identity. And second... Secondly, I must pray and ask God for boldness in my everyday life. i got to do it. See, one of the greatest prayers you can pray is, God, help me to be bold in my everyday life. Help me, God. Help me to be bold. Why? Because that's a prayer that matches up with the will of God. That's a prayer that touches the heart of God. Why? Because coming from you to our Heavenly Father, what you're expressing is, Father, I want the world to know about my love for you and your love for me. I want everybody to know it. So God, help me to be bold. God, I want to put the world on notice. I want to shout it from the rooftops that you're my God. I belong to you and you're my everything. So I ask God, would you help me to be bold? We all want to experience unashamed love, love that doesn't matter who's looking or who knows. You know, three days during the week, I get to drop my kids off at school before I go to work. I love it. You know, we got these special moments that we have together, and it's, you know, at least for me, it's, for, it's real special. We have our routines. You know, we get in the car. We talk about what they're most excited for in their day at school. Then we talk about their overall day, what's going to happen after school, their responsibilities and, and their free time and what, just what's going to happen. We, we get to the school, we park, we pray. After we finish praying, we grab lunch bags and backpacks and masks and I grab one on each hand and we walk. 
I grabbed them by the hand through all the cars, the parking lot, through all the teachers, the students, everything, and I go up to the furthest part that parents can go to before they say, hey, listen, you've got to let them go. And so I, I, I do that, and then I, I let them go. I give them hugs. I give them a kiss. I say, God bless you, and I send them off in their day. You know, they love that. They, they love it. They, they feel some sort, of, some sort of comfort, some sort of safety in it, some sort of blessing in it. They, they feel good about it. They like it. See, I'm not looking forward to the day when they don't want to hold my hand anymore. I'm not looking forward to the day when they say, Daddy, look, looking. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to that day. But why do we lose? Why do we lose that as we get older? Why, why do we suddenly care about what others think as we get older? You know, it touches God's heart when we're willing to walk his hand publicly. It touches God's heart when we're willing to say, Father, I love you. It touches our heart. It touches his heart when we're, when we're bold for him, when we'll stand up for him, when we'll wear the, the T-shirts, when we'll express how much God has done for me. It touches his heart. Why, as we get old, why has it changed? Do you remember the first time you met Jesus? Do you remember that love that changed you forever? Do you remember when, when everyone else said, I don't know about you, but his arms were right there for you? It's a love like no other. Would you pray, God, help me to be bold every day? Would you pray that? As a, as a Christ, would you pray that? God, help me to be bold. I know, God, if it's just up to myself, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to rep you I'm quietly, God. But I, would you help me? Would you help me to get out of my comfort zone? Would you help me, God? See, in one of Paul's letters to the church, he asks for prayer. This is while he's in prison. While he's locked up, he, he asks for this prayer as he writes this to this church, this letter to the church in Ephesus. He says this in chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Fearlessly, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should as I should, because he knows that it's easy to not do it. He knows that it's easy just to keep quiet. He knows it's easy just to do it behind closed doors. Just, I'll just pray for them. This is this man's prayer request. God, help me to be fearless. Help me to be bold. He says, pray for me in this way. When you, when, when you pray, would you pray this for yourself? Would you ask for, would you, would you ask for a prayer request? The next time you say, and does anyone have a prayer request? Yeah, yeah, help me to be bold. Because I know that I, my, the, the default is not to be. Would you, would you help me to be bold? Would you pray for your church family in that way? See, how can I step into boldness as a, as a Christ follower? The third way is this. I must take full advantage of every opportunity to share the love of Jesus. 
take full advantage of every opportunity to share the love of Jesus. Listen, you don't even have the right words, and sometimes that's our thing, right? Sometimes we're like, I don't got the right words. What am I going to say? What am I going to tell these people? Like, I, I, I don't know what to say. But God will give you the words, but you got to ask him for the words. You got to say, God, 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 I, I need the words. But you could simply begin with, God, I know what you've done in my life, and God, let me share that. Would you share what God, how God has impacted your life? Would you say that there's no way that you would possibly do life without him? See, the Bible talks about Jesus, one of his encounters with this man who was demon-possessed, and he was you know, really going through a tough time. The Bible says that he had 10 demons inside of him, and he was really a mess. He lived naked. He, he slept in the graveyard. The people tried to chain him up, and he, because of the powers of the demons inside of him, he'd break the chains, and he'd sure enough be back naked in the graveyard again. And one day, Jesus encounters him, and Jesus asks the demons to come out of the man. And it's really this powerful story. The, the demons flee out. There's more to that story. The flee out. And then the man finds himself sitting at the feet of Jesus in peace and in gratitude. He says, Jesus, can I go with you to your next location? Jesus is preparing to move on from that city, that town, and go into the next place. And then Jesus tells him this in Luke chapter 8, verse 39. He says this, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus told him to go home to his family, tell them how much God has done for you. The man said, listen, I can go home and tell my dad. I can go sit down with my brothers, my sisters, my mom, my dad, my auntie, my uncle. I could tell them, but that's not enough. Like what Jesus just did for me, it's not enough just to keep quiet with that. The guy went all over the whole town and told everybody. He stopped over at the baker, told the baker. Right? He, he went to the butcher, told the butcher. He told all the people in the town, the officials, everybody. He stopped. He saw the seamstress. He, 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 he saw the iron worker. He told everybody, do you know what God has done in my life? Do you remember who I was? I'm telling you I'm somewhat different. I'm telling you that I've been set free. I'm telling you that I've been impacted by a love that will forever change my eternal destiny. I've been impacted by a love. I am no longer who I was, but I am a child of God. I am a child of God. He was free, and he wanted everyone to know how much God had done for him. You know, I think about some of the stories of people who are persecuted in other countries, how they profess to follow Jesus even in the midst of, of death. This week I came across this story of this, this man. His name is Bartholomew Blanco Marquez. He was born in Spain in 1914. And as he grew up, he became a, a faithful follower of Christ. He loved the Lord. He truly loved the Lord. And in 1936, some type of rebellion in the country raised up. And he was enlisted into the war, and they wanted him to raise arms and to, and to kill his fellow countrymen. And he absolutely refused, so they arrested him. Once they arrested him, they continued to try to get him to raise arms, and he refused. And so the punishment of refusing to take up arms was death. And so they took him out to the execution squad. And as they're there getting ready to, to shoot him, they had him like this, the guns pointed at his back. And he said, I can't do this. He said, I have, I have to turn and face forward. 
If you're going to shoot me, shoot me like this. He says these words. I put these in your notes. He says, whoever dies for Christ should do so facing forward and standing straight. These are his words. Right before the execution squad, they pulled the trigger. He, he, he said this. He said, long live Christ the King. And then they pulled the trigger. You see, in America, we're nice and comfortable. We're nice and comfortable. We don't ever have to deal with things like this, being a Christian. This isn't our story. This isn't our experience. We don't have to, we, this, this isn't, we walk out of here, this is what we got to deal with. We, we don't got people banging on that door saying, oh man, we're, we're about, to, this is, that's not our experience. We don't have to worry about things like that in 2021. But outside of our boundaries of this country, there are Christians who are dealing with this right now in 2021. And they stand up and they're bold and they're brave because what God has set them free from means everything. Means everything. They remind me of a couple passages of Scripture. The first one is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. This is Paul writing to Timothy. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed on who Jesus is. Don't be ashamed of what God's done in your life. Do not be ashamed in Psalm 119, verse 46, this is this. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. I'll speak. I'll share. I'll tell them. God, I'll tell them what you've done in my life. It's real. It's tangible. It changed me. I'm different. I know I'm not who I was. God, I just can't keep quiet anymore. Jeremiah, the prophet, God's given him the word, and he's going to go, and he's going to, God wants him to speak to the people. He's waiting for the appointed time. He's arrested. He's thrown into this cistern. He's dealing with his things, and, and he's got to go before the king and speak, but it's because the circumstances have him loud, and he's, he's inside. You read his words. He says, he says, God, your word is like a fire shut up in my bones, and I cannot wait to release it. I pray this fire and this passion over each and every one of us. Would we, would we grow in this passion for the things of the Lord? Would we be excited? Remember what God has done, how we've been changed and set free. God, I want to shout it from the rooftops. I want the world to know. I want the world to know. I want the world to know. I pray that passion over each and every one of us. God, that touches his heart. That touches his heart. See, one of the things you need to know about Paul is that he used to hate the church. Hate the church. He hated Christians. He persecuted them. He tried to destroy them. But when he met Jesus, it turned his whole life around. And he said, listen, I'll tell the whole world what you've done. He became one of the boldest Christians who ever lived. He said this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 13, 15, and 16. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. But when he, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, oh, the grace of God, 
was pleased to reveal his son to me. He came to the knowledge of who God is in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. He says, this is who I was. But after I met Jesus, it changed everything. His love changed everything. And I preached the gospel. I, I've, he says, I've shared what God has done in my life over and over. Some of you have stories. Some of you have powerful stories of transformation. Some of you, God has done some things that, whoo, somebody thought, there's no way. But God did it in your life. Share it with every opportunity you get. I'll tell you this. I love the Lord. I, I, Jack Gonzalez, I love the Lord. He's given me a hope and a future. He's forgiven me. He's set me free. And now I live my life teaching you who God is and preparing you for the things that God has for your life, the things that he wants to do through you. See, when I go to heaven one day and I stand before God, I am not going to be responsible for any Christians from the church down the street. I'm not responsible for them. He's not going to ask me about them, but he is going to ask me about you. He's going, okay, okay, son, let's talk about it. Let's talk about all those people that called Mosaic home. Let, let, let's talk about all those people who, 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 are, who are all in, who said, this is my church, this is my home. And if this is your church and this is your home, then I'm your pastor and I get on my knees before the Lord and I pray his blessing over your life. That you would stand and walk into the things of God. That you would be bold about what God wants to do in each and every year. That you would share the love of God. That you would be unashamed that the passion and fire inside of you would burn brightly. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I am a Christ follower. I worship the God, and I believe in the Bible. This is who I am. This is who I am. Church, this morning, I tell you, you can do this. You can do this. Let's be bold together for Jesus. Here's my challenge for us this morning. We'll pray. My challenge is this, two parts. One, would you call each of the five names and one at a time share with them what God has done in your life? That's it, one at a time. Would you call them? Ooh, pastor, you're already starting with that. I'm asking you to be bold. That's what this is about. Over the course of this series, we're going to get into some things, but this is where God has led. This is how we're kicking this off. You got five names. Call them one at a time. I don't know because the last time, listen, Hey, how you doing? Okay, I know, you know, maybe we haven't talked in a while or, but listen, can you just give me five minutes? I want to share something with you. I want you to know that I'm not who I was. I want you to know that there's been some great changes in my life. I want you to know that I've discovered the love of God for my life and it's transformed me. It's set me free. Maybe even that person you're talking to, maybe you even need to ask them to forgive you. But simply, I just want you to simply say, this is what he's done in my life. Maybe say, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to push anything on you today. I just, I just simply want you to know. And if you're ever wondering or you want to know more about this, listen, you could talk with me. But I want you to know what he's done in my life. I'm challenging each and every one of you to call each of those names to call them. Have a five-minute conversation. Watch what God will do. Watch, because you, you're just going to trust Him. You're just going to ask Him, God, help me to be bold. 
The second part of this, would you invite them to church on Sunday, October 3rd for a very special service just for your guests? Maybe some of them that you say on my list, hey, you know what, they're not as possible for them to be here. Maybe they could watch online, but we're going to have a very special service just for your guests. This is a season of what God has wanted to do in each and every one of us where we step out. It's going to be a good season. You can do this.